This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. And welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholz, who is a great follow and joins us from Rotowire headquarters in Madison, Wisconsin. You can find his work on Twitter at, stat, at, AJ, at, Statsman, at AJ Scholz24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. The calendar has changed to March, partner, and we're now headed to the stretch run of the playoffs. I'm excited about that part of the season always, and I know you are too. Yeah, it's a, it's an exciting time. Uh, you know, we're watching watching playoff battles and, and teams uh, competing there, so uh, definitely enjoy it. Uh, but, you know, let's, uh, let's get right into it. we got 31 teams to go through, but before we do that, just remind our listeners throughout the week uh, that if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer those questions for you. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. All right, we begin as always with the Anaheim Ducks. They went 2 and 1 last week. It's interesting that the, the West Coast teams fared pretty well. Uh, uh, to a man they all had winning records last week usually the trips to california have been pretty fruitful but as your team found out not so much lately and my team's going out there this week so looking forward to that uh, i think but for the, <laughs> for the ducks uh, john gibson two wins in those three game starts last week and you know last week i said watch out for sonny milano he's bounced around a little bit but he's been given a chance in a top six role and look he responded with two goals and one helper last week so that's one in the win column for me i'll say right now but uh, their defensive structure has been compromised because they've got lindholm uh, Fowler and Goodbranson all sidelined on the on the blue line much of last week, and I don't know if we can expect any of them to come back this week. We'll see how that pans out, but uh, the defensive sh- structure cert- certainly takes a hit. And in that sense, uh, we mentioned Brendan Gooley is a guy to keep an eye on. He's getting more minutes on the left side of the top pairing. Picked up three points in his last seven games played, and uh, good for him for taking advantage of an audition with uh, the other guys out of the lineup. Uh, in the nets, uh, Ryan Miller is ill, and that means uh, Anthony Solars has been called up, AJ, and I know you've been high on him. No wonder. He's had a great year in the uh, in the AHL. A fine 21, 12, and 5 record in 
San Diego with the Gulls and a 92.2% save percentage, which is very, very good. Yeah, definitely a, a player that I continue to watch. And I, I would expect um, that maybe he'll get the, the number two job uh, for them next year. You know, Ryan Miller uh, is certainly no no spring chicken, although uh, I have no indications that, that he's going to retire or not, but he's not under contract next year. Um, so that could certainly, uh, this could be his last hurrah uh, there. And then they use Stolarts as the number two next season behind uh, John Gibson. The other player that I, I kind of want to watch and, and see what he does uh, is Kiefer Sherwood, kind of a, a young prospect that's been working uh, his way up. He did play in 50 games for Anaheim last year uh, had 12 points in those contests has only played in four this season uh, with his call up here in in kind of late February and I kind of want to see what he can do at this level he's been a player I've been tracking for for a long time uh, certainly if you're uh, in a redraft league this isn't a guy necessarily uh, to pick and I, I think even in a dynasty keeper league it, it might be a little bit too early uh, to make him one of your your limited keepers depending but certainly a player to track and keep an eye on there and AJ we're keeping an eye on all the teams but I'm noticing that Arizona is kind of slipping a little bit in the standings they're now fifth in the in the Pacific Division and a uh, large reason why is their their scoring has been compromised they're not keeping up with the other teams in that division in terms of putting the puck in the net and it's reflected in a bit of a slide recently they were one and one in a very quiet week for them sitting sitting there in the standings hoping to catch up some ground on the other teams they get a chance with a busier week this week uh, in terms of players that can help that Oliver Ekman Larson has had uh, five points in his last 10 games finally looking like the offensive dynamo that he's been for much of his career but he's had a bit of a quiet offensive season relative to those standards of late one of the guys that picked it up for much of the last month is Jacob Chikrin but uh, he's now dealing with a hip injury and is is going to be out for a few weeks that's a tough blow for this team they need all hands on deck to close the gap on that playoff spot a couple of guys that are being counted on to help that uh, Lawson Krause is a, a former high draft pick that is moving up in the lineup to left wing on the second line after increasing. I've noticed a shots on goal rate spike for him, and they're finally giving him a chance in a scoring line role. He's got all the tools, AJ, and it's just a matter of time before he puts it together, I think. But uh, this is a great opportunity right now down the stretch with low, no pressure, and I hope he takes advantage of it for his sake. In the Nets, Darcy Kemper looked good in his return last week and will battle with Antti Ranta for playing time. The fact that they've got two experienced hands in the Nets should also bode well for them. I'm expecting them to take a really serious run at things in the next couple of weeks with those guys on deck. Well, look, when they made the trade for, for Taylor Hall back in December, there were conditions on, on the first and third round picks that they were going to get. And at the time, they seemed you know almost almost laughable. Like the, the 2020 first round pick is uh, top three protected. It was like, well, Arizona is clearly adding Hall. They're going to make the playoffs. Like there's no way this could end up being a lottery pick. Well, now that comes into play uh, as they're, they're on the outside looking in right now. And the same goes. For that conditional third, you know, it was if Hall resigns or they win a playoff round, it becomes a second, comes a first if both those things happen. Well, now they might not win a playoff round. So now 
you're looking at a third, uh, potentially that sticking as, as a third round pick, maybe a second if they can get Hall to resign. So uh, just interesting how things have changed since mid-December. Certainly they're not out of it. 72 points uh, has them technically tied with Nashville in that category, but Nashville has two more games to play uh, than them. Same with Vancouver. So definitely uh, slipping behind Winnipeg's in the mix, Minnesota's in the mix. So uh, they're really going to need to step up, as, as you pointed out. And you know what? We look at the Boston Bruins. They've got a, an interesting week ahead of them. Uh, they've been coasting along much of the season, riding along in first place, not really challenged by Tampa, who took a bit of a run at them, but the, the Bolts have slipped back a little bit. The Bruins uh, went 2-1 and one last week, but on the schedule this week, AJ, I've got two games circled between those teams, and I'm looking forward to the first one tonight to see how they measure up against one another. They're looking like they're on a collision course in the second round of the playoffs, if all goes according to Hoyle. In terms of the player play on the ice for the Bruins, the two additions since the trade deadline, Andre Case settling in on right wing on the second line. No points so far, but he's looked pretty good in the in the in the highlights and, and parts of the games that I've caught. And uh, they're counting on him to to bolster the scoring on that second group. Remains to be seen if he can deliver. Uh, on the on the left side of that line, Nick Ritchie's getting a look too. He's another piece that they added. He has lit the lamp. He's got a goal and one assist in the in the two games that he's played and I think he's just got Boston Bruin written all over him. He's just the prototypical Bruins uh, grinder up front with an offensive touch and uh, this is a good landing spot for him. I look for big things for Ritchie uh, down the stretch here and uh, I, I think before it all, all said and done Fans are going to love this guy in Boston. On the blue line, uh, Charlie McAvoy and Tory Krug continue to deliver the mail. McAvoy receded for five points last week, Krug for three. Uh, veterans uh, leading this club, as always. The top line, still the best top line in the league. I'm curious to see how they match up and show in those two games against Tampa. But last week, Marchand warmed up with a five-point effort, and uh, David Pasternak continues to lead the entire NHL with 47 goals scored. So there's not much of a downside to report here on Boston, is there? No, I really don't think there is. Uh, you you kind of hit on hit on everything here. The goaltenders have continued to kind of share the duties, and, and both have been uh, performing well. I think what's interesting about this second line, anytime you have a, a new influx of guys, you have to imagine it's going to take a little while for them to all gel. And while that's certainly the case, they have a bit of an advantage in that both wingers came from the same team uh, in separate deals. So it's really about um, figuring out how to play with David Krejci. Really, he's he's almost the odd man out <laughs> in this group, even though he's the guy uh, that was here before. So really, it's it's figuring that out. And I think what, what it does for this team more than anything else is now you've got a third line with Jake DeBrus, Charlie Coyle, and Carson Kuhlman. And I think that's just a better combination for them uh, overall is for those guys to be your third line. So uh, I think obviously some growing pains are, are going to happen, um, but they have an opportunity to, to really um, kind of separate themselves e even more. They already have a, a, a decent lead on, on Tampa in the standings. And if they could come away with, you know, two or three points uh, in those in those two games, then, you know, they're they're that much further ahead and, and cruising to the top of the Atlantic. Buffalo Sabres, they thought they were cruising to a playoff spot earlier this season, AJ, but things have kind of fallen off the rails for them. They went 0-3 last week, and uh, a very sullen Jack Eichel just uh, sat quietly in the dressing room after their last game and didn't want to even take his, his jersey off. He was so down and out and really 
disappointed at the recent turn, and uh, I think it's really hard on him. It can be hard on him to motivate himself uh, in this week, I'll say, based on what I saw. It looked like a guy who really has given his all this season and had a fantastic year, and you know, things just haven't panned out of late, and it's a shame for him. Uh, one of the stars of the league, again, looking on the outside at the playoff run that's going to take place without him. Linus Ulmark in the Nets, uh, skating on his own, still a long way from returning, and that's really one of the blows that turned the season south for this club. Carter Hutton had been, has been carrying the load, uh, had a bit of an up-and-down season, but of late, he's done his part. Eight, in eight of his last 11 starts, he'd allowed three goals or less seven, seven times there. So uh, he did his part, but uh, the offense kind of let him down a little bit. Beyond that first line, they've been struggle, struggling to find the, the combinations that work, and one of the reasons why is uh, young Olafson, the rookie, is, is hurt again. He's listed day-to-day with a lower body injury. He he was on pace to be one of the top-scoring rookies in the season if he could have stayed healthy, but didn't pan out that way. Uh, Dominic Cahoon, a recent pickup uh, from Pitt, uh, produced points in his last two games at right wing on the second line. I know you lot know a lot about him, seeing him up close and personal for much of the season, and uh, I think he's a good fit here going forward, but I continue to wonder why they've got Marcus Johansson in the middle on the second line. AJ, it just seems like they just can't figure out the second line center position, and that's a real bugaboo here. I don't like that spot for this guy. He should be a winger. He's a power play specialist, and uh, I might even like to see him paired with Jack Eichel at some point. Yeah, it's definitely something that that I would consider. Uh, you know, if I was running running the bench there, especially if Olafson's going to miss some time, you put Johansson with Eichel and Reinhardt. Um, but as you pointed out, there there's a problem down the middle. Um, I'm a little surprised that they haven't decided to bring Casey Middlestad back up from the minors. He's got nine goals, 14 assists in 32 games uh, with Rochester there, and so you know a little bit off, uh, you know, maybe a 0.8, uh, per game, uh, without doing the math, just kind of spitball in their, uh, pace. And so I'm really a, a little surprised that they're not willing, at least at this point to, to give it a look. I mean, they added, uh, Cahoon who you mentioned Wayne Simmons as well. So they clearly, uh, think that they have, uh, you know, guys, uh, the the tools to make the playoffs here but i think that you're right on they need to bring in um they need to address the center position which i think they can do if they're willing to bring you know middle stat up i think he's your best solution there i know it didn't work out great to start the year um there have been obviously some some issues there but i think you have to give him a look if you want to try and make the playoffs here the Calgary Flames, AJ, they are in a playoff spot right now. They went 2-1-1 one, and one last week, and uh, big news there is Mark Giordano returned to the lineup but closed the week with a three-point game, so he looks like he hit the ice running uh, after his uh, brief stint on the IR. Andrew Majapani continues to look locked in on the second-line left-wing position with seven goals in his last six games, giving this team exactly what all teams are looking for, that quality secondary scoring. He looks like he's really coming into his own. At, at the right time. Uh, the regular uh, scorers on this team are at the top of the ladder again. Matthew Kachuk, five-point week. Mikhail Backlund with a seven-point week. But uh, Sean Monahan had been quiet for a while, and he chipped in with three goals. That might be the best news from the core of the offense uh, that we can report on the Calgary situation. I think what is nice for them is that they're getting uh, not only Giordano back, but they're getting production out of Eric Gustafson. He's got two helpers 
uh, in his four games back. And then, uh, you know, Derek Forberg continues to get looks over Michael Stone. Now, how that all shakes out when Travis Hammond comes back remains to be seen. Um, but they certainly are trending in the right direction with that that blue line there. Um, I've been a little bit disappointed, obviously, in, in David Riddich's last two games. He gave up four goals in each of those last two contests. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Cam Talbot um, get a few extra looks again. I mean, they gave him four games in a row. He had a couple bad ones in there, um, but then he's coming off his most recent performance, a 38 save shutout uh, win over the Panthers. So I would expect maybe uh, Cam Talbot to get a couple starts here uh, in a row. You know, I would have thought Carolina Hurricanes would have got a big boost from uh, the Leafs uh, farmhand that they loaned them last week. The farmhand, the, the facility operator at their practices uh, turned on the club, as we noted last week, but they didn't get a, that boost. They went 0-2-1 last week, and uh, Jacob Slavin is one of the bright spots here, continuing to pick up the slack for Dougie Hamilton. He had three more assists last week. Brett Pesci, though, out several weeks with a jo- shoulder injury. That's a really tough blow for a team that is battling to stay in the playoff hunt. Of course, the troubles begin and end with the fact that both starting role- goalies are out of the mix. Morazic and Reimer, they're out with no timetable for their return, and if if they don't get one or both of those guys back, I think they're really in big trouble in terms of qualifying for the postseason. They should have got a boost from Vinny Trocek's uh, arrival on the scene. A quality addition in terms of uh, finally finding that second-line center that makes sense here. He's been blanked with uh, in the first three games with his new team, but it's only a matter of time before he chips in as a bona fide uh, center on a top-six situation. Another quality addition here, Brady Shea logging over 20 minutes as a top 4D here. Really happy for him because he's been uh, in a a mix where there was some depth issues that prevented him from getting top power play time with the Rangers, but should get that situation here. And Sammy Vatnan may debut soon. The sooner the better uh, for their flagging playoff hopes, I would say. What concerns me a little bit about Trocek is the fact that he has just two shots on goal uh, in those three games, and both of them came in their most recent one. His first two games with Carolina, he didn't record a single shot, and that's logging over two and a half uh, minutes of ice time in the uh, on the power play in those games. So how do you not at least get one shot uh, on the power play in those contests? So I really uh, I have some concerns about his his uh, you know decision making here and in, in not shooting the puck. Just throw something on net, obviously, and then of course the you know Vatnin uh, comes over and, and is still unable to play. Kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit uh, on that trade. I, I get that they'll maybe get him back here at some point, but um, for a decor that needed a boost, I'm not sure it was the right choice to trade for a guy that wasn't going to be healthy right away. I honestly assumed as soon as Vatnin made the move, I was like, oh, he's probably ready to play, like <laughs> should be good to go. But obviously that hasn't been the case, and it, it really has me uh, kind of questioning that acquisition at this point. Yeah, I think that's a, an interesting take, but I, I'll stay on my side of the fence and say I think he's going to get on track. To your point earlier, this could be a situation where a guy at a new club just needs a few reps to get his uh, comfort level going here. and We'll see how that turns out. Chicago's another team that made some changes, and uh, the biggest one was in, in goal where they sent Robin Leonard packing, and that means Corey Crawford should be the number one, unquestioned number one going forward. But he's 35 years old, AJ, and with Malcolm Subban, a pending RFA, 
what happens in the goal in next year is going to be an interesting uh, quandary. But for the time being, Corey Crawford picked up two wins and three game starts last week. And I expect Subban to get his fair share of starts down the stretch here for this team that's not going to be in the postseason hunt, I don't think, much longer. Duncan Keith, the veteran, uh, doing his part with a goal and two helpers last week, kind of paced the offense from the back end. Dominic Kubalik has had an outstanding year for the Hawks, though, and they found another gem here off, uh, to bolster a very young and dynamic-looking offense that's, that they're cobbling together over the last couple of seasons. Kubalik, for his part, three goals, two helpers last week. Patrick Kane, the venerable wet veteran, 50 assists for the sixth time in his career, eighth in league scoring despite the woes of the, the Hawks have overall. Yeah, I'll be shocked if, if Corey Crawford's back uh, next season. You know, he's going to be a, a UFA. If he does return, it's certainly not going to be for the $6 million that they're paying him this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, test the, the trade waters here over the summer. Uh, or, you know, maybe if they see enough from Subban that they'll go with him and, and one of their younger guys, uh, perhaps Kyle, uh, Colin D'Elia, uh, and see who they you know have uh, that can be a starter here. But I I would be surprised if Corey Crawford is is still in Chicago next season unless he's willing to take a significant discount here. The Colorado Avalanche humming along. They won their seventh straight game last night, a two-one victory. Michael Hutchison getting the win with 17 saves on eight, 18 shots. Nemesnikov and O'Connor handling the scoring. McKinnon, Nichushkin, Landeskog, and Graves getting the helpers in that narrow victory over the worst team in the league. The Pavel Francouz uh, got three wins under his belt last week, got the night off last night, and figures to get more of the load as the, their starting goalie still on the sidelines here. In terms of the production, from the back end, it was paced by Samuel Girard and Eric Johnson instead of Kale McCarr. You, we've uh, grown tired of talking about him a little bit, I think, AJ, and he took maybe a week off to let these other guys chip in. Girard with four points, Johnson with three. Girard's the guy I think I have my eye on in terms of a possible DFS contribution from time to time. He's, he's a guy that gets some power play looks and uh, has an offensive upside, but in the shadows of that hot rookie, we don't see it all that often. In terms of other players on this roster that are worth noting, Ta Travis Yost, uh, Jost is a guy who they drafted high a couple of years ago. He's a pending RFA, and he's just reaching the 20-point mark after a pretty good week, his best one of the season with a four-point uh, output in the in the three games they played and so they're looking to see what they have to do about him in the offseason I'm sure but they certainly would like to have seen him grab a top six role it just hasn't happened here uh, as of yet one guy who has made good of the top six role was Andre Burakovsky but after a very nice off long run of offense he's dealing with a lower body injury and he's sidelined right now yeah, I think I, I like what you're saying about, you know, Gerard in, in DFS, as long as Kale McCarr uh, is still hampered, hampered by that injury, didn't play uh, last night due to an upper upper body injury. And without him in the lineup, you're going to see Gerard's numbers kind of jump up. He'll get more opportunities there. And so I definitely think um, that's a that's a great call to consider him. In fact, you know, you look at his last four games. Uh, last night's contest was his highest ice time, and it included over five minutes of power play ice time. Now, he didn't get any points to show for it last night, uh, but I, I think he's certainly worth a look in building your DFS lineups. The other player that's been uh, rolling pretty pretty well since joining the team uh, is uh, Vladislav Nemestikov. 
He's got a goal and an assist in his four games with uh, with Colorado here. Now, despite the first line role, he hasn't really been playing much on the power play. So he is kind of limited to five on five uh, action here, but he's getting to play that five on five with Gabriel Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon. So uh, certainly uh, uh, an easier spot to maybe fall into a point or two here. Uh, and another guy certainly worth a look. You know what, AJ? I wonder if any, how many of our listeners would know who the first NHL defenseman to get the 20 goal mark is. The answer is Zach Wierenski, uh, picking up two goals and two helpers last week to pace the attack from the back end. He's had a fabulous year, reaching the 40 point mark uh, on, on the season year to date. Uh, it, behind him, Eunice Corposalo picked up two wins in three game starts to. You know, they, no matter who they put in net, it seems that the goaltending has not been an issue here, despite the fact that it's been pretty much a merry-go-round to see who is healthy this week, and uh, they just keep getting the net minding to keep them in the race here for the postseason. Uh, one of the great stories that has been written this season, when we all thought uh, Columbus might have a tough time qualifying, it looks like they're all but a shoe-in uh, should they continue at this pace. One of the guys that's leading that charge offensively is Nick Foligno. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of this guy, AJ, and. Uh, the veteran, the captain, is leading this team on the ice with four goals and two helpers in his last six games played. He's now getting upwards of 20 minutes a game. That's the, a lot of ice time for a guy uh, among the forwards here. They don't really go that route too often, but they have decided to run with their captain, and he's rewarding them right now. And another guy who's uh, caught up in that slipstream is youngster Eric Emil Benstrom. Four goals in his last five games played. The, he's playing right wing on the second line, seeing more than 16 minutes game recently with some power play time to boot. The club is certainly still waiting for Cam Atkinson's return, possibly this week as no one has grabbed his left wing spot on the second line. Can you imagine the offense will get a tremendous boost if this guy comes back and does what he's capable of doing? Yeah, the unfortunate part there is that Atkinson uh, didn't leave with the team um, for for their road trip here. Now, they did leave the door open for him to rejoin them at some point, so certainly a, a possibility there. It's, it seems like one guy, one step forward, one step backwards. They got Alex Wenberg back for the last two games, but now Nathan Greva is dealing with an injury as well, so they really just cannot get healthy here. Um, we saw the same thing as you alluded to in the Nets, that they got Corpusalo back and then Merz Lickens gets hurt. And so uh, really uh, can't can't quite put it all together in terms of health here. But somehow they managed to still be holding on to a wild card spot. Um, they are just two points back of, of Pittsburgh for th uh, third in the, in the Metropolitan Division. So um, there's a lot to still be sorted out, but they're certainly going to be in the mix all the way up to the end uh, with kind of this this no name lineup because of all the injured guys. There's there's a lot of players who might otherwise be in the minors uh, still and uh, don't really get a lot of attention, but they're just making it work. Indeed they are. The Dallas Stars, another team that's really making them work. Their defensive structure is a centerpiece to the fact that they're sitting with a 37-21-7 record. Overall, they were 1-1-1 one, one, and one in the three tilts last week. And uh, their brightest news here is the fact that John Klingberg is starting to finally look that, like their best offensive defenseman again. Four-point week for him to lead the charge. And uh, the familiar names up front are clicking as well. It, it was a quiet time for Tyler ben, uh, Tyler Sagan a couple of weeks ago, but he's been on a roll ever since he finally broke out of that long scoring slump. Two goals and one helper for him. And Jamie Benn, the big physical winger, 
playing like a runaway train right now. One goal and three assists for him as well. Rupi Hintz, a youngster who had tried to hold the fort offensively much of the early part of the season, went through a flat spot, but even he chipped in with three goal, three points. So the top offensive names here are all on fire right now, and uh, along with that defensive structure, that will make this team a tough out uh, also. So I'm looking for this uh, team to be... Uh, a secret that uh, that other teams should almost fear as the playoffs approach because they seem to have everything going right now. Well, I'll point out one area that's not totally clicking, and that's Miro Heiskanen. Had a fantastic rookie campaign. He is going to surpass those those numbers that he put up last year, but he has just one point in his last five outings, uh, so a little bit of a drop-up there for him. In fact, in their most recent contest, he uh, did not log any power play ice time. I'd have to double-check to see. I suppose it's possible that they didn't get any power plays. Um, it does appear that that's the case. So uh, a word of caution about looking just at stats, right? It, uh, it would seem that he uh, got bumped from that, but that's certainly not the case as the team didn't get a power play in that game. So, um, But still, overall, just one point in five games is a, is a little bit of a concern for me. Uh, you know, you look at last year, had 12 goals. Four of those were game winners, had eight points on the power play has uh, a few less goals, uh, although certainly still games to play. No game winners for them this season, no power play goals as well. So I would like to see a little bit more out of him, especially as they get right into the stretch. You mentioned that Klingberg's starting to find it offensively, and it just would behoove them to have two guys going offensively because you're certainly not going to get that uh, type of game from Jamie Alexiak or Roman Polak or, or Andre Sakara, Taylor Fadun. These are more defensively minded guys. So if you can avoid leaning quite so heavily on Klingberg and get some uh, additions from Heiskanen. So what you're saying is you're not as high on Dallas as I am. I get it. Okay. <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings, AJ, they were they were uh, 0-2-1 last week, and they're, they've lost six games in a row now. Uh, terrible season just continues to roll along for them. Uh, rolling off the rails like uh, Brian Burke's 18-wheeler, I guess you could say. The uh, mo- Monday night was uh, a throwback to an era where people looked forward to the Detroit-Colorado games like almost no other on the schedule. Remember those days not too long ago. But last night it was a narrow 2-1 loss to the visiting Avalanche. Bernier, who's had been heroic in the nets for this club, turning aside 25 of 27, but it was not enough. Uh, the only goal scored by Mantha, assisted by Biega and Larkin. Larkin, for his part, had a very nice season for the Wings, continues to be their unquestioned best player and leader on and off the ice. Three points last week and, of course, another helper last night. So four points in his last four games, doing what he can. Uh, they got a bit of a boost from the arrival of Sam Gagne. He scored a goal over his first three games now to, and joins the power play since the recent trade. So that's a bit of a boost. But they, I, I'm troubled by a couple of things here. Obviously, they have made a couple of uh, contract <coughs> situations really tough on the, on the roster here. Franz Nielsen finally scored his first point in 10, ten games since coming off the IR. Uh, they've got two more years of this guy at $5.5 million. The return is nowhere near the salary that he commands. And uh, on the flip side, I'm surprised that Dmitro Timoshov, whom they picked up from the Maple Leafs on waivers, only logged 11 minutes in his Wings debut. So I'm looking for him to get more ice time uh, going forward. And I think he should wind up getting a look at least in, on their third line, if not in their top six very soon. 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the cap situation and, and some of the, the problems that they're having. You throw out some of their top guys uh, that have been producing it in what's been a tough year. Anthony Mantha, Robbie Fabry could toss, uh, you know, Brandon Perlini in there as well. All three of those guys, RFAs next season that are going to demand uh, significant raises from, from where they were. Uh, and, you know, you add on top of the cap situation, um, you know, the goaltending question, uh, are they going to let Jimmy Howard go? It seems like they will. Then do you go with Johnny, Jonathan Bernier as your number one guy? That that remains to be seen. Um, it's not all doom and gloom there, though. The one kind of bright spot is that they do have a couple of young players in Mantha, Larkin, Fabry. Uh, you know, you and I both really like Timoshov. Yeah. Uh, so they have some young guys. Uh, Philip Zadina was out for, for most of the season due to injury, so he's there. And they've got four picks in the first two rounds this year in what's supposed to be a, a pretty deep draft. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, one, maybe two of those guys get a look in, in training camp and, and maybe compete for a spot on the, the 23 man here. So it's not all doom and gloom for Detroit, but you really have to be looking beyond this season because uh, at this point they may not even get to the 20 win mark. They're sitting with 15 uh, and they, they don't have too many games left in, in which they could pick one up. Yikes. <laughs> That's all I can say about their fortunes right now. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, they're, they're on the flip side. They're, they rolled uh, Nashville last night after going 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week, and all of a sudden, Leon Dreisaitl has a chance to contend for the Rocket Richard Trophy as well as the Art Ross. He picked up four goals and one helper last night, and Connor McDavid was the flip side. One goal and four helpers for him. Kyler Yamamoto has been a real godsend for this club, though. I think he's really sparked the offense as he came back. Uh, to the big club and uh, solidified the top six situation there offensively. Archibald and Cassian chipping in regularly as well. They got goals last night. And then on, in terms of the helpers, uh, Nurse from the defense position, three helpers, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, three assists on, on his own part. So overall, Leon Dreisaitl becomes the first player to reach the 100-point mark. And you've got to think he's odds-on to be the Hart Trophy uh, winner based on the effort that we've seen out of him consistently all season long, while McDavid's kind of been in and out uh, with his injury situation earlier this season. Certainly still, I, I think, the most talented player in the game, but Dreisaitl, to me, extremely valuable to the cause in Edmonton with the consistency he's displayed. Nugent Hopkins uh, continued basically where he left off last week, a four-point week, and uh, he's finally starting to return real value for the high draft pick that he had he was a couple of years ago you know we've maligned this club for a few a couple of the top draft picks that didn't work out i wonder where uh, jesse puliarvi is these days but these two <laughs> guys are certainly holding their own james neal's been out with an ankle injury too aj but he's traveling with the club on their current road trip and uh, it'll be another boost to this offense if he can find his way back into the lineup yeah i mean you can't undersell what adding james neal back to this lineup does you know they they've got ryan nugent hopkins playing on on the second line uh left wing with with dry right now you could put neal in that spot and and move uh you know move uh Ryan Nugent Hopkins to your your center role, which is a little bit more natural for him. Then you're looking at a third line potentially of Athanasiu, Nugent Hopkins, and, and Zach Cassian, which is a really solid group. You could put Neil on the top line with Connor McDavid 
and move uh, Tyler Ennis down to the the third line potentially uh, instead of Zach Cassian. So there's a lot of options that they have uh, by getting James Neal back. I'll be interested to see what their lines look like when they have them in there. Um, but this is a fantastic uh, player for that for a very long time needs just one more goal uh, to reach the the 20 goal mark for uh, you know the. He's only missed it once in his career. That was last year with Calgary in what was a forgettable season for him. But otherwise, he's been a consistent 20, 30, even once a 40-goal scorer in in the league and and really would boost a team that's already uh, pretty deep and pretty good. Well, one of the teams that I thought was going to be pretty deep and pretty good was the Florida Panthers. But, boy, have they fallen off uh, the pace for a playoff spot of late. They went 1-2-1 last week. Look at... At the beginning of the season, AJ, when we were previewing this team, I said my hot take, one of my hot takes was Sergei Bobrovsky is going to flop here. And a 323 goals against average to date. Now he's nursing a lower body injury. I think I could put a check mark by that call uh, before the season is over. That lower body injury has him out uh, of the lineup day to day, is the, the notation. Chris Dreger is on a conditioning stint. He's not ready to come up yet. And Sam Montembo might be the one that's pushed into a start or two this week. They need better goaltending to stay in the hunt, and they better get it sooner rather than later. One of the guys that's holding up his end of the bargain is Mike Hoffman. Six goals, four helpers in his last seven games played. This guy's a pending UFA, and you wonder if he's he's a little miffed that he doesn't get a look on the first line from time to time. He's been playing second and third line minutes. If he's ticked off, he might just bolt from this organization. Uh, I'm looking to see with wonderment where he does wind up. Uh, but I don't, I don't expect it'll be in Florida next year. I'll say that right now. Uh, fact of the matter is, these guys, this team is slumping, and the number one line not delivering the goods. Huberto and Barkov blanked over the last three games, all of them home games last week. That's simply unacceptable at this stage of the season for a team that has visions of a playoff spot. Well, you talk about wanting to be miffed. I mean, he goes from having Vincent Trocek as his as his center or Alexander Barkov, however you wanted to to stack those two guys up, to Eric Halla. And that's not a knock on Eric Halla. He's just not Vincent Trocek. And the minute that they made that trade, I know they got four players back. I know I panned it last year. But for me, that was a sell by this team that that the organization didn't really think it was a playoff contender if you're going to trade a guy like vincent trocek away you're not going to get better i don't care what you get back it's not going to make you a better team and it clearly didn't based on their their uh record last week and i don't think they're going to make the playoffs at this point i didn't think they would at the start of the season when they had him uh when they had trocek and now you know they're sitting uh you know three spots back of the wild card the Rangers have a game in hand. Carolina have two games in hand on them, uh, and they're five points back at Columbus. And I just don't see how they get in there without a player, uh, you know, without uh, a guy like Trocek, who, by the way, as I said, is on Carolina now, who's ahead of them in in the standings. The Los Angeles Kings, they went 3-0 and last week to the point that I made earlier about the California-based clubs playing a little bit better of late. Calvin Peterson, a big part of their success, picking up two wins in his two game starts after his promotion to the big club following their trade of their Goldie to the Leafs uh, earlier at the trade deadline. Blake Lizotte, uh, one of two young centers getting a look in the middle of the ice along with Gabriel Villardi. He picked up three points last week, and uh, these guys are both skilled centers who have a bit of an offensive upside, so I'm looking to see what they can do as playmakers for this offense going forward. They get a real trial, a nice little audition opportunity the rest of the way with 
where they could play a little free and easy without the pressure of a playoff hunt uh, clouding that issue. One of the guys that, uh, a couple of guys, veterans, though, still not uh, hanging it up yet, and they want to be good leaders on this club. I'm talking about Anse Kopitar and Dustin Brown. Both of them chipped in with three points each. So uh, the offense is certainly rolling along better than it has much of the season. They would get a a boost from the return of Jeff Carter. He's missed the last six games with a lower body injury, and I understand he's getting close. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you're seeing uh, this team kind of get some return from some youngsters. They they got Velarde back. Uh, Lazade, Blake Lazat uh, is playing. Martin Furk has been playing really well for them. So, uh, And that was the whole point of, of what they're doing here is to try and bring in some young guys, give them opportunities. You mentioned Cal Pedersen as well. Um, and so really uh, some some positive notes here uh, on, you know, for the team heading into next season. Uh, you know, obviously they are at the bottom uh, of the Western Conference right now. Uh, so it's a little too late uh, on this year, but definitely some positive signs going forward. And, and if you're a fan of this team, uh, you have to be encouraged by what you're seeing. And again, I'll go to the the draft this year. They This is another team that has four picks uh, in the first two rounds of the draft here. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be shocking to see them maybe package two of those second rounders to move into the first round and, and get a, a pair of first round picks. So uh, definitely something to watch and monitor and, and reasons to be hopeful for the future. And the Minnesota Wild, this is a team that, I, you know, they fly under the radar much of the year. They're, they're sitting there with a 32-26-7 record, 3-1 and one last week, and the offense is just clicking like it hasn't been all season long. And uh, we'll get to some of those numbers in a sec, but behind them all, Alex Stalock has emerged as a goalie to consider in DFS. He's a low-cost relative to most other starters, and he's getting the lion's share of the goaltending of late, it seems, with uh, those three wins and a shutout in the four-game starts. He, he was there for all of them last week. Team scoring, as I said, is way up of late. 30 goals, four in their last seven games played overall. Consider the, the, that uh, they're getting contributions from all kinds of people. Zach Parise with five points. Miko Koivu finally woke up with five points. Ryan Donato, they've been waiting for him to show something. He got five points. Ryan Hartman, another five. Kevin Fiala led them all with nine. We've talked about Fiala for the last few weeks, one of the hottest scorers since the calendar turned to 2020. Even the back end, they're getting a variety of contributors. Matt Dumba with three points, Jonas Brodeen with six points in his last 10 games played, and Ryan Suter with three assists as well. So the offense is really on fire. The goaltending has been shouldered by uh, the backup guy, uh, of all things, and uh, the news is mostly good around Minnesota. They may even try to stick around the, the periphery of the playoff hunt and uh, they need a couple more weeks like this to to make that happen for sure well you can definitely say that that message received by the team here uh from the gm bill Guerin, you know he, he uh fires the coach he almost orchestrates a, a trade uh, of sending zach parisi uh to the islanders uh, that all falls apart well since that uh, that deal Parisi has two goals, three assists in four games with two of those points coming on the power play. So he has really turned it on of late uh, after, you know, after that whole uh, situation kind of kind of fell apart there. So this is what Bill Guerin said, uh, you know, credit to him. He said, I expect this team 
to compete for a playoff spot and there's going to be consequences if anybody gives up and there there nearly was for Zach Parisi there definitely was for Bruce Boudreau um, and so we'll we'll see if they can hang in there but they are just one point back of Nashville for that other wild card spot again there's Winnipeg and Arizona in the mix as well so it's a tight group um, but certainly nobody's out of it and as you said if they get another week like this together uh, they'll they'll find themselves right up there. Montreal Canadiens are going to be on the outside looking in again, AJ. Their fans must be apoplectic with another non-playoff outlook for their club this season. Uh, GM and manager, uh, GM and coach both on the hot seat there, I would have to think. And the draft is taking place in Montreal, so that could be some fireworks that week for sure. Uh, Thomas Tatar leading the offense here with a six-point week. And Philip Deneau with a four-point week. Philip Deneau has flown under the radar much of the season, AJ. I like this guy's two-way game. He's not only one of their top scorers, but a real good checking center. I mean, he's probably what I would call a Patrice Bergeron light, if I, if I could draw any kind of comparison. Not that they're in the same class, but he's the similar type of player that does the same kind of work for Montreal, and he's had a really good season for them. One guy that hasn't had a great season is Max Domi. I kind of panned him in the last couple of weeks, but he did respond with a four-point effort last week, and, and you wonder if he's done some soul-searching to get to that effort. They needed much more of that from him earlier on. Jonathan Drouin out again with a, a lingering ankle injury that just won't go away. He'd been scoreless in eight games in February, and boy, does his contract look awful right now in, in uh, Montreal. Shea Weber came back earlier than expected. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He has two go- had two goals last week and logged a full workload without any problem at all, and uh, just uh, a really brave effort by him to come back and try and do what he could to keep this team in the hunt, but it just didn't, is not going to work out. With their playoffs hopes all but dashed, I expect to see Charlie Lindgren get to a fair share of starts over the remaining slate. There's no sense in running Carey Price into the ground. It's not happening here. They've got to see what they've got in terms of the backup net mining. Well, and even if you want to take the approach that, you know, they don't need to, to look at a backup net miner. I mean, they've got Price locked in for another, what, five, uh, five years after, or seven years after this one. Um, so, I mean, clearly they don't, they don't think Carey Price is going anywhere. Uh, you know, how that contract works out at the end, I, I don't know, given his age. Um, but, I know. <laughs> That's me laughing. But, yeah. <laughs> But to your point, to put Ligren on display, like clearly uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to move away from Carey Price. And honestly, for the next couple of years, why would you want to? He's still been you know, one of the, the top netminders playing uh, with a team that, that's not very good around him. But you put Lingren on display, and maybe you can get something back for him uh, this summer or, or the summer after that. So people want to see how a backup goalie is going to stack up. He's 26 years old. He's under contract for one more season uh, for, for Montreal. And so if he can get a couple starts look pretty good a team thinks okay we'll get a a one-year look at him you know based on his contract uh certainly something that that could be uh under consideration there so i would be i would be in agreement there that i would expect to see uh him get a few starts you know terry price played 11 of montreal's last 12 games uh but that you know went four five and two over that stretch Uh, and so i think 
the writing's on the wall at this point, as you said, and, and now it's time to maybe back off uh, and go with the backup for a couple of games here. It's interesting that we talk about Nashville right after the talk of Montreal and Carey Price because Pekka Rinne has had uh, an even worse season than, uh, in terms of personal fortunes and team fortunes than uh, than his counterpart. I guess the team is doing okay, though, relative to the Canadians' overall standing. I should correct myself. Last night, they took it on the chin, however, with a resounding loss against Edmonton Oilers at home. Uh, Pekka Rinne surrendering, surrendering all eight goals in that uh, in that awful outing. UC Saros relieved him, stopping all four of his shots, and he'll probably get the next start this week. He's played uh, as many games as, as Rinne on the season. They've really split the uh, duties down the middle here and UC Saros been outplaying the incumbent much of the year he picked up two of the th- wins last week in the three game starts and his numbers on the season are better than Pecorini overall so you wonder how that uh, goaltending mix uh, pans out down the road even into next year but one of the positives that uh, they could have certainly used this guy earlier on but uh, Ryan Ellis finally back from the injured list led all defensemen with seven points uh, on his docket last week and he led this offense, obviously, as well. And Roman Yossi has quietly, or maybe not so quietly, racked up 60 points on the year. And he's closed the gap on John Carlson in terms of the talk around the James Norris trophy. Uh, I've always liked the Yossi's all-around game. And it's a shame he's doing it on a team that's in Nashville that's not one of the league powers in the Western Conference where he might get a little more ink. But he's had an outstanding campaign, the captain doing what he can to keep the Preds relevant in the playoff hunt. But on the flip side, uh, Kyle Torres has cooled off again. Boy, have we uh, been waiting for this guy forever to live up to the contract. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen. He did have uh, a bit of a nice run, but a five-game pointless streak is now uh, on the docket. $6 million is capped for, hit for each of the next four years. I I got to say they'd love to get out from under that one somehow, but don't know how they're going to do it. Mikhail Granlund is another guy that kind of underperformed much of the season, AJ. He's got five points in his last six games played, continuing a nice run that started in mid-January. And uh, he's been a 60-point guy before. He's starting to look like it again. That would be really good news for the depth of this offense. Yeah, I'm going to take just a, a quick minute here to get, to go off the off the ice with with Nashville. Um, early morning reports about uh, nine people that have passed away in some devastating tornadoes down there. So Paul and I uh, want to extend our, our thoughts and prayers to the people of Nashville down there as as they uh, you know recover uh, from this and and hopefully you know uh, they'll have a chance. Maybe tonight's uh, game up in Minnesota can be an opportunity to to focus on something else for a little bit and be a bit of a re- relief there. But uh, as I said, thoughts and prayers out to the people of Nashville. Echo that for sure, AJ. And with the coronavirus, another reminder to all of you people that are listening, wash your hands and be careful uh, in, in public. It's just a, a tough time out there with between the tornado and weather news that's been dotting the landscape all over the place in the last little while and uh, this coronavirus not helping matters either. So play safe is the message from our corner to yours. New Jersey Devils 2-0-2 on the record last year last week I should say. Corey Schneider is up uh, after a rehab stint and he's looking better of late 
picked up two wins and a shutout last week. You wonder, uh, he's he's in his mid-30s, AJ, and he's got a bit of a ticket on, on his salary cap situation that lingers, so they would like to get a bit of a return from him. He had been a goal, uh, solid goalie for them for a couple of years before injuries kind of derailed that, but uh, looking pretty good recently, and that's good news for uh, for the Devils. Nikita Gusev, uh, two goals, two assists. He's reached the 40-point mark. This is a guy who led the KHL in scoring last year, and he's had a pretty nice return to the NHL this season, one of the bright spots in a very low-scoring New Jersey situation. Jesper Bratt has been quiet for much of the season, too, but even he had four points as well. So you wonder if these guys can finish strong, at least offer some hope for next season. Colin Blackwell is a guy who is getting a look on the top line, and he's produced four points in his last five games played, so that's another boost to youngsters chipping in offensively here on a team that desperately needs it. On the back end, it wasn't so long ago that we were talking about Will Butcher as one of the top collegiate players and highly sought after. He's had a troubled time fitting into the NHL, and he's now out with an upper body injury, further depleting a very inexperienced back end here and making uh, Schneider's exploits look even more impressive when you consider that the defense has been decimated and underperforming overall. Well, I think, you know, the, the biggest thing for me, and it's, it's been something that, that we've talked about periodically throughout the season, but it's just the continued struggles of, of PK Subban, you know, when they, yeah. when they brought him in, I, I thought this was a, a, a fantastic addition. Yes. His cap hit is outrageous at $9 million a year. Uh, he's the highest paid player on the team. He's one of the highest paid players in the league. When you consider Connor McDavid is making like 12 and a half, if I'm not mistaken, and then you've got Subban making nine, um, has just one assist in his last five games uh, and 15 points total on the year. I think he almost certainly will miss on the 30-point the mark, which will be the first time he's failed to reach that threshold in his, his career here. And I think it's just indicative of, uh, you know, everything for this season as, as the kind of the rails went off and why they had to trade away Taylor Hall, Sammy Votnin, and uh, a couple other guys as well. And so really, uh, you know, an, an indication of how this this season has gone and further uh, to that point, you've got their starter, Mackenzie Blackwood, making just under seven hundred thousand dollars a year as a, on his entry level deal with backup Corey Schneider making $6 million after being buried in the minors for much of the season. And so uh, really it's, it's just problems all around, but again, reasons for optimism, barring certain conditions, they're set to have three first round picks this year uh, and, and could get uh, some serious help here as they try and rebuild around Hughes and Heischer uh, for the future. Geez, AJ, it seems like a light years ago when we were talking about the Islanders as the, the top defensive team in the league and uh, a team that was in the top half of the league easily. They've really stumbled in the last month and a half, and I, I date it back to the injury of Adam Pellick. He was a part of their shutdown pairing on the blue line. They have not been the same club since he's been out of the lineup, and uh, last week was another case in point. No, goal, no wins, one loss, and two ties. Devin Taves has tried to fill in the, the deficiency on the back end, chipping in a little bit of offense. He's not a, now got a career high of 26 points on his ledger, but uh, they're just not doing it on the back end of the ice, despite the fact that uh, they're getting some productivity elsewhere up front. But it, it doesn't help them either that Matthew Barzal has no goals since February the 4th, 
only eight assists uh, on his record, uh, eight assists in his last six games. Not too bad, but they want to see him putting the puck in the net too. Derek Broussard is a, bit, a guy that's been all over the roster here, and uh, he might be on the verge of losing top six minutes after being blanked in his last seven games. And uh, after a string of seven straight great starts in the net, Semyon Varlamov gave up four in each of his last two to speak to the fact that the defensive deficiencies have uh, come up to bite these guys again. Thomas Grice needs to get a shot uh, to regain his share of the net here, and I look for him to do that this week. Another bright spot, Brock Nelson is verging on his first 60-plus point season, so uh, between him and Barzal, they've got a nice-looking fit on the top two center positions at the very least. Well, and they've got a solid third-line center that they that they brought in in, in Jean-Gabriel Pajot. You know, he's got two, uh, two points in his first three games and seems to be fitting in uh, nicely there. And I, I would expect, uh, you know, continued big things from him as they get in there. Andy Green, obviously, the other uh, addition on the blue line that they're trying to fix uh, that, that pellets deficiency. But I, I think you're absolutely right. That's exactly when things started to go wrong for this team. Uh, I also don't love the fact that they suddenly decided after most of the season being fine, you know, splitting, uh, almost evenly splitting every other game, working out, that they've decided to rely heavily on one guy over the other. If it wasn't broke, why fix it is is what I would say here. And I I think this is a case of just overthinking it. Um, I would go back to just going every other game with these guys because it worked last year. Uh, Obviously, it it wasn't uh, Varlamov in that mix, but Grice was here for that. Uh, So they did it successfully last year. They started it successfully this season. And and I just don't understand the decision to move away from it. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. I think that's a great call, AJ. It should be more of a win and you're in when you got uh, one and one A like they've got over here. So good call by you. The New York Rangers went two and two last week. Listen, this team has uh, become a factor in the playoff race all of a sudden, AJ. And it's in no small part to the performance of Alexander Georgiev. He picked up two more wins in his three game starts last week. Adam Fox is a guy that's worth talking about too. Uh, one goal and three helpers for the defenseman. He's in fact been one of the top scoring D's since we shifted the calendar to 2020 and a really cheap DFS option even in tonight's action as I, I took a peek there. Ryan Lindgren is another another guy worth taking a look at on a pair of multi-point games last week chipping in as well. Artemi Panarin their signature piece offensively doing what he's done all season long and that's produced points seven more points for him and they got good news in terms of uh, Shesterkin is back at practice and maybe ready to rejoin that crowded goalie mix much sooner than expected after his recent injury in the car crash. Well, I would say there'd be you know concerns about Chris Kreider not having a, a timeline to return and, and that they're going to miss him, but he's been missing on the ice with no points in their last five games. So um, they're, they're not going to lose out on any production, it seems, uh, without him in the lineup. Uh, obviously, I, I think they're a better team with him even when he's not scoring, but they do need somebody to step up uh, in his absence there because you, you have a, a top Top line guy, Phil, uh, Phil Giuseppe going to get uh, the first look here in that role. Uh, we'll see if he can hold on to that. I don't I don't necessarily think he will. I would be uh, shocked if we don't see Artemi Panarin flip up to the Zabinajad line. Although, obviously, the concern there is putting all your eggs in one basket. Uh, Capo Caco maybe could get a look up there. That that certainly would be an option as well. So uh, a couple things to watch as, as Kreider remains out of the lineup, it sounds like, uh, for, for an extended chunk here. 
And the Ottawa Senators, they had been getting exceptional goaltending from Marcus Hogberg for quite some time, AJ. He picked up two wins in his last three game starts last week as well. But uh, the youngster has had to go home to Sweden for personal reasons, and that leaves the goaltending in a bit of disarray. Philip Gustafsson has been called up from the minors, and he'll work uh, split time probably with Craig Anderson, who's not having the best season in his career by a long shot. So they're going to suffer in the nets and might be a target for uh, for you if you're looking for a goalie win it might be against the Sens in the near near term anyway uh, a couple of guys up front that are trying to hold the fort and offset the defensive deficiencies in goaltending are the following Chris Tierney with a five assist, assist week uh, listen this guy's a solid playmaking center and he made good on that with the performance last week Connor Brown taking advantage of of the fact they've got two pretty good pivots at the top of the roster he picked up three goals and one helper last week reaching the 40 point mark I'm really happy to say this is a career high for him and uh, right on pace for the 50 points that I had pegged for at the beginning of the season. Artem Benisimov is the other playmaking center that I want to highlight. Two goals and one helper for him. And uh, Bobby Ryan might have written one of the better stories of the year, AJ, with his return from a a long stint in rehab. He got a hat trick his first time out and watching this ovation from the hometown crowd, it uh, choked a lot of uh, people up there. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I might have been one of them yeah I think you know the the thing that's great about that is that the the NHL has for a long time taken more of a treatment than punishment approach to um, you know issues issues like this whether whether uh, it's you know uh, substance abuse of, of any kind and I think it really speaks highly of the league that their their goal is about the player and not about um, just punishing uh, a player for mistakes so it's great that he was able to get support from the league and then make that comeback um, the other night and, and get that hat trick I the other thing with this team in terms of, of guys out of the lineup they haven't had Anthony Duclair or Colin White of late and that's really stretched their forward groups now there's an uh, a potential that one or both of those guys could play tonight um it sounds like they're they're questionable at best for for that game so we'll have to see how uh, the game day skate goes for them i i imagine they'll be uh out there uh with with the team they had been for for a couple days and so if they can get in some some skate no kind of uh, setbacks here maybe one or both of those guys can go tonight which will definitely strengthen uh, uh an already kind of thin forward group that would really be hurting if those guys weren't available and uh, when it comes to the Philadelphia Flyers, AJ, I'm going to draw upon the fact that this is the fifth year that I've been doing this pod. It's year fourth. We've uh, we've kind of run this team down because of the goaltending situation during that time very often. And uh, we've long believed that they wouldn't be a factor until they rectified that goalie carousel. I believe they have this year with the performance of Carter Hart. He re- registered three more wins, and uh, apparently he looks like the answer. This team's on a six-game winning streak overall, and they're headed for the postseason for the first time in a couple of years. And uh, the net mining is a big reason why, but don't discount this offense. Uh, it's tried to offset the defensive deficiencies and goaltending issues from the past, but now they're 
on a different platform and the likes of Travis connecting with six points, Jacob Voracek another six, and Kevin Hayes with four is more than off, uh, offsetting. They're helping to build on the great foundation that Hart has given them in the nets. But another guy that's worth talking about here is Matt Niskanen on the blue line. Since uh, Gostas Bear went out, this guy was tasked with being uh, the linchpin on the back end, and he certainly delivered the goods offensively with 12 points in his last 14 games played. He's been a top point producer among defensemen in the past, but he's turned back the clock big time to deliver an outstanding effort on behalf of the Flyers most recently. Well, yeah, the other player to, you know, uh, Kevin Hayes has been uh, phenomenal of late. And I was, you know, making a, uh, the rounds on, on one of our partners, uh, Vizen, and I, I kind of slammed Hayes for having not done a, a whole bunch in, in the last uh, stretch there. He had been on a, a, a six-game uh, pointless streak over that stretch. Since that time, uh, he's turned it around, five goals, two assists in his last six games, all of which has come five on five, which isn't a huge concern, but certainly something to monitor. Uh, but yeah, having Kevin Hayes uh, storming back is huge. And as you said, Carter Hart uh, has been really the, the linchpin here uh, in his eight games back from injury, 7-1-0, 2.14 goals against average. So really putting uh, some some good work in there for, for them as well. And, you know, Brian Elliott was kind of able to hold the fort for them too while while Hart was injured, and, and that certainly uh, had them on, on a good charge there. So uh, this is a difficult team to beat uh, any night, um, but especially with them heating up here, they, they'll be in the mix, obviously, right up to the end. And, and right now they're sitting uh, number two in, in a competitive Metro, uh, three points back of uh, the Capitals. AJ, I know that you're suffering along with your fellow Pens fans, this club, and on an almost unprecedented six-game losing streak of late and a tough swing out through the west coast of the states last week. They've only scored eight goals in their last six games played. I had to do a double take when I started to calculate those numbers. I was very surprised by that aspect. Uh, in terms of other news around the club, Dominic Simone, a key top six winger all year, is now on the injured list. It's an upper body injury, and I'm told it's, it's, not, it's a fairly significant one. He's listed uh, week to week, so that, uh, not the kind of news that you need when you're hoping to snap out of a slump to lose a top six forward. That's uh, forcing them to put Patrick Marlowe up on, on Evgeny Malkin's wing, and you're going to have to hope that he dials it back to a younger time in his career because he's not the offensive player that he was uh, at that point in his career compared to what he is now. Uh, one guy that might help out the, uh, the offense is Connor Sheary. I see that he's been returned to Sidney Crosby's right wing where he flourished in his first go-around with the Penguins, so that could be an attempt to uh, find uh, a good fit where there was one before. Uh, in terms of other pieces, Marcus Pedersen, six assists in his last nine games played. I really like this guy's game, AJ, and I think it was a smart move by the Pens to lock him up. I'm just a little concerned about the cap hit here. Might be a tad bit high and a tad bit long, given, given the small sample size that he has on his resume. Uh, what do you think about that and the rest of the Pens situation, partner? Well, uh, for for Pedersen's contract, I will be the last person to criticize Jim Rutherford about the decisions <laughs> he makes here. So um, I, I'm okay with it, and honestly... You know, you, you figure Justin Schultz is, is probably going to be gone. I, I don't think they expected to be able to re-sign him next year. Um, so if you look at the, the cap hits there, they're basically taking most of the money they were given Justin Schultz. They're giving it to Marcus Pedersen instead, and they'll get, uh, you know, about a million and a half savings 
overall um, to to sign a you know a replacement for Schultz. So uh, really, not a not a big concern for me here if I'm if I'm being completely honest uh, because of the expectation that Schultz was was on his way out anyway, just because we won't be able to afford him. Uh, I think the biggest problem the Penguins have faced has been the blue line. I mean the. Look, Jack Johnson has been much maligned since since joining the Penguins, and I think in a lot of ways, unfor- uh, uh, unfairly so. This year, uh, he has looked significantly better, with the exception of when he's been asked to play, you know, significant plus 20, 22 minutes on, on a top pairing. He's just not a top pairing guy. And so you're asking him to play more. You're asking Marcus Pedersen to play more. I think he's better suited for, you know, an 18, 19 minute role as well. And so to, to get back potentially both guys are game time decisions, but to get back Brian Dumoulin and John Marino tonight will fix a lot of ills with this team. Dumoulin will allow Chris Letang to be more offensively minded. John Marino is probably the second best puck moving defenseman behind Chris Letang in terms of getting the Penguins out of the defensive zone, up the ice uh, and, and going on offense. So I think both these guys are huge additions that are game time calls for tonight. But if they get them back, uh, this is going to be a team that's hard to beat. You had Nick Bukestad uh, was in a regular jersey yesterday. So he could be back. He won't play tonight, but he could be back sooner rather than later. And that'll kind of solve uh, or, you know, kind of be a, a one for one with with Dominic Simone uh, being out of the lineup. Bukestad could get a look uh, in, in various different roles, center wing. Um, so getting the defenseman, I think, is the biggest problem. Uh, they just were. You know, trying to hold on as long as they could, and unfortunately, uh, you know the 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 dam broke uh, when they were in uh, in California there, and they just couldn't hold on uh, with those two guys out of the lineup. Well, you know what? It occurs to me I got to break the seal on the envelope that I had you put your dollar in because uh, all of a sudden that dollar <laughs> bet looks a little tighter, doesn't it, partner? Only a two point difference in our clubs. Your team does have two games in hand, but if there was another week like last week. Oh, boy, I'll be a little more excited. So <laughs> it's not cinched up yet, my man. Don't go spending it just yet. Uh, the St. Louis Blues on a seven-game winning streak, the hottest team in hockey right now, and the defending champs are doing it at the right time. Uh, a month out from the playoffs, they look like they got everything working right now. And the best news of all is that Vlad Tarasenko could return by mid-March a little bit earlier than it was expected. The champs look ready to defend that title, and uh, you can see it by the fact that their their leaders are leading the scoring of late. Braden Shen with four points, Ryan O'Reilly with four points, Zach Sanford written a nice story for himself. He had a bit of a fluff, uh, recent slide, but he's still a fixture, fixture among the top six forwards. That's found money for this club. And uh, along with the fact that Jaden Schwartz, six points in his last five games played, everything is looking good right here, right now, in my estimation. Yeah, there's really not a lot bad to say about this organization. Um, you know, defensively, they don't have a ton other than uh, Petrangelo. They don't have a ton of, like, big-name offensive guys. But they added, uh, you know, Marco Scandella for, you know, for essentially for pennies, um, you know, by, by signing, uh, you know, for getting him from the Canadians, I, I think was a great move. Um, 
and kind of bolstered a group that unfortunately lost Jay Bomeister for the year, but um, they kind of solved that. The net mining has been phenomenal. They're a crazy deep team in, in terms of the forward combinations. You look at their, their four lines right now, every one of them has scoring potential. Everyone Every one of them has, you know, solid players, and that's without Tarasenko in there. It gets just that much more competitive once they get him back. The San Jose Sharks, uh, not the third team that, uh, west that we've got to talk about, They're playing better of late. Two and one was the record last week. Martin Jones, a big reason for that turnaround. Two wins and a shutout last week. He's only allowed seven goals against over his last five starts, and he'll likely get the start against the Maple Leafs tonight. His partner, Aaron Dell, may, be, may have a tough time uh, retaining this guy as a pending UFA. He's had a very nice season for them, appearing in 31 games, 294 the goals against, 907 with the save percentage. I wonder if he might be ticketed for Seattle at some point uh, down the road because he's not made the great as a top-end starter, but he is certainly looking like a very good uh, number two uh, situation uh, at the very least going forward. Evander Kane picked up four points in his last two games played. It's no surprise that that was in a reunion with uh, Logan Couture, who has two uh, goals in two of the last three games since coming off the IR himself. Marcus Sorensen getting more uh, reps as a top six forward, rewarding the team for that faith. Picked up four points of his own. So playing out the string here with a couple of key injuries uh, decimating this roster, not the least of which is Eric Carlson. This team can still rise up and bite you because they still have a lot of guys with uh, good resumes uh, that are still suiting up for them on a nightly basis. I mean, you got a feel for Sharks fans here when when it comes to uh, Marty Jones. It's like, hey, thanks for turning it on now, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) where was this at the start of the year? Um, And really, I mean, even a a strong run at the end, it's going to be a disappointing season for, for Marty Jones all around. He'll miss the 30 win mark for sure for the first time. Uh, really as a as a San Jose Shark and, and as a full-time netminder. Uh, his goals against average is currently uh, a career-worst 2.99. That could drop down enough to, to not be a career-worst if he puts together some solid numbers here. But really, just as I said, just a, a disappointing year for him all around and uh you know i know as a as a marty jones fantasy owner as well it uh, it definitely feels that way of uh, thanks for doing something now um where was this all season long yeah well let's talk about fantasy for a second i was roped into a, the rotowire staff league at the very late stages of the preseason and uh, i actually missed the draft aj i don't know if you remember that but uh, I'm in first place right now. <laughs> Just thought I'd nice. throw that out there to the boys in the home office. Uh, not bad for missing a draft and then picking up all the dregs and cobbling together a lineup that's at the top of the standings. I'll take it. <laughs> Tampa Lightning 1-2 and two last week and on the verge of facing the Bruins a couple of games this week. But the big news here, Steven Stamkos facing hernia surgery, projected to be out six to eight weeks. That means that uh, they can forget about first place in the Atlantic Division. Uh, I, I don't expect them to catch the Bruins and certainly missing their signature player. Uh, as a Leaf fan, it looks like the Leafs and Tampa line up in the first round. So you wonder if he'll be back in time to face his hometown club in the postseason. That could really change the outlook of that series if we can look ahead for a moment. Nikita Kucherov picking up five points last week. He'll be tasked with being the offensive linchpin going forward. Eric Cernak uh, partnered with 
Victor Hedman on the back end. That's a bit of a surprising look for me because he's not a point producer at all and not a guy who's been a minute, big minute eater in the past. They're uh, counting on him to play more minutes down the stretch, and uh, I don't know how that's going to turn out, and uh, I don't know if it's the best call. You might look for a change in that configuration go as we go forward. Alex Kalorn will get some of Stanko's minutes, uh, having just established a personal best with 48 points year-to-date. And uh, right along with him, Andre Palat is another guy that's going to actually get most of those Stanko's minutes currently listed as the left wing on the top line. These are two names that you don't hear too much when you talk about the offensive leadership of this club, but they've been useful parts here who will be... Uh, expected to produce a little bit more with their captain missing uh, but the big the guy with the big uh, uh, bright light on him uh, down the stretch I think is Braden Point AJ he's going to need to continue his excellent production that he showed throughout the month of February and uh, he, he has been a top producer in this league in the past just hasn't played like it for much of this season though he did turn it on in the last month yeah, I was uh, I was talking to a, a Lightning fan last night, and I I said, hey, have you have you gotten over your the, the your mourning period for Stamkos? And his his response, well, they're talking they'll they'll get him back for the playoffs, and that's certainly uh, based on his timeline, certainly a, a projection that way. But as as a, a fan of the Penguins who has seen two players go through core muscle surgery this year, there are uh, good news and bad news there. You had Sidney Crosby who did return within that like six to eight time frame. But then you've got Nick Bukestad, who's been out significantly longer than that um, after suffering a setback. So they're really going to have to watch and monitor this. And, and I hope for, for the Lightning in general that they'll be able to um, you know, get him back in, in a reasonable timeline here and, and that there won't be any problems, obviously. Overall, though, if I'm being totally honest, I think Tampa's probably better suited here to be uh, the number two spot uh, rather than number one in the Atlantic. By being the number two, you get home ice uh, most likely uh, against Toronto. Uh, you know, I think it's it's you know certainly not a lock yet. Florida could uh, you know try and make a move here, but. I would much rather play Toronto in the first round than be Boston and get rewarded by playing the fifth best team in the Metro um, for, for winning the, the division here. So uh, I would rather face Toronto than as it is right now it would be Columbus um, here. So uh, I, sorry to knock your team as we're <laughs> going to talk about them here, Paul. But I, I think overall, maybe uh, there's some silver lining here to be had for the Lightning. Yeah, you know what? You're talking about the Jekyll and Hyde team of the NHL. That, of course, is the Maple Leafs this season. Following the outing where their Zamboni driver from their minor league team beat them, they wrote, reeled off three victories against credible opponents last week, not the least of which was the Panthers in a key head-to-head -head battle in their swing through Florida. And they also beat Tampa, I might add, on, on the road. So uh, the Leafs looking really good last week. And, of course, when they look good, it's typically because Freddie Anderson's played better, and he has. He uh, They kept the shots on goal down, though, in each of those games around the 30 mark or below, and that helped the overall cause. The pre pressed into service was Tyson Berry to lead a very young and inexperienced defense. He stepped up with all the injuries around the other veterans on this club of late. So it's a tip of the hat from in this corner for the way he's played of late, picking up four helpers, of course, running the power play and getting lots and lots of minutes, more than he's logged all season long. 
Cody Cece and Morgan Riley, speaking of defensemen on the uh, IR, they're expected to practice with the club on this trip. They're not going to play out in California, but uh, the news is positive that they are expected to return sometime next week. So uh, the cavalry is on the horizon there for the back end here. Another youngster who's expected to, to take advantage of this time uh, period is Travis Dermott getting more minutes as well some special teams time and that's the reason why he's picked up a couple of helpers last week getting more action with the big boys up front and speaking of those big boys they're delivering willie nylander continuing a torrid torrid run uh, of late no surprise it's happening with john Tavares as his center i've highlighted john uh, earlier this season a lot of youngsters getting a, a good run with him been scoring very well Ilya mikhaev before, before he got hurt was a classic case and zach hyman as well those guys are expected to be part of the future, but certainly right now, Willie Nylander, his, his, uh, people are forgetting that big contract that he signed now because he's living up to it, quite frankly. And the captain's a big reason why. And also, their big horse up front, Austin Matthews, two goals, two assists, and he's playing lots and lots of minutes, well over the 20-minute mark every night. A luxury the Leafs are finally taking advantage of, in my opinion. They babied this guy in terms of ice time in the past few years, and one of the nice outcomes of the Sheldon Keefe era is he's running with the big boys right now and really running them out over 20 minutes a game for him and Marner uh, particularly. This West Coast trip through Cali could solidify a playoff spot, but boy, oh boy, I hope they don't take it li- take them lightly and uh, they watch what happened to the Penguins last week and learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. That should be a, a, a cautionary tale that those teams are, are not just... Uh, you can't just walk over them. You have to, you know, put in the work. My concern with this team uh, right now, you you highlighted it, is is the same as what happened with the Penguins. Are they, you know, do they have? Uh, can they withstand the defensive injuries for for another week? Um, certainly, they they've been able to so far, and and they'll need that to continue. Um, obviously, once they get CC and Riley and and eventually Jake Muzzin back. Uh, this is a different looking team, honestly, with with those three big guys in the lineup. And uh, I, you know, the the problem that the Penguins had is their defense was on shaky ground, which is where t- uh, the Maple Leafs are right now. But they stopped scoring. So as long as the Maple Leafs keep scoring, they should be fine. Um, but obviously that that's the concern there, that they would hit a, a similar slump um, and then have a, a defensive group that just can't handle uh, just can't handle it because they're of uh, you know lack of experience there. So uh, hopefully for you, Paul, they, they keep rolling. Hopefully for me, uh, the wheels come off and I can <laughs> can get that dollar. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. It'll be an interesting uh, couple of weeks for them while they wait for those guys to get back. The Vancouver Canucks. This is a team that was uh, getting a lot of. Pl- uh, positive uh, news clippings and maybe they've read too many of them they went one and three last week alex edler doing his bit offensively to offset that try to offset that one goal and three helpers quinn hughes reaching the 50 point mark so the offense from the back end really in good hands with those two guys up front jt miller continues to have uh, pad his outstanding stats a six point week bo horvat with four points of his own and uh you know it's it's uh back to the fourth line for louis erickson aj this guy had only two points in february uh after a nice run in the end of january he's got two years left at six million dollars and boy oh boy they've got to find a way to get rid of that contract i i uh overall though i think there's uh, too much talent here for this team's recent struggles to continue i expect them to turn around turn it around sooner rather than later but they they're going to do it without jacob markstrom and that might be a telling blow 
Well, I think the most interesting thing, uh, honestly, for me to watch is whether or not uh, Quinn Hughes can continue to roll and and be uh, in the mix here for the caller. We haven't had a, a single team win back-to-back callers since 66-67-68 uh, uh, when Boston won it with Bobby Orr the first year and Derek Sanderson in the second year. So it's been wow. a very long time since the same team has had two players uh, win back-to-back callers, but we're certainly uh, in the mix for that to happen this year, uh, especially if uh, Kale McCarr is out of the lineup for, for a few more days. That'll give Quinn Hughes even more time uh, to, to pad his stats and hopefully get there. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, Mirza Lincolns could get a look, but I think his injury here probably uh, will prevent him from from getting up into the mix there. So uh, I think it's kind of a dogfight between these two defensemen here down the stretch, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Some quick hits here about the Vegas Golden Knights. Two and one is the record, but along with Stephen Stankos, the headline news is on the injury front. Mark Stone suffering a lower body injury. He, too, is expected to miss likely the rest of the regular season here. That's a hard, hard blow for this crew. He's the heartbeat of this team uh, outside of Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't think there's a more valuable piece here, so they're going to struggle without him, I think. Uh, unless they can find a piece to fit in. Right now, they're giving that opportunity to one Nicholas Roy, who was the early favorite to step into that top six role, and he hasn't got much of an offensive pedigree at the big league level, and it remains to be seen if he can deliver like he did in his junior career. Uh, Alec Martinez and Shea Theodore uh, leading the offense from the back end. They are all of a sudden deep in terms of (laughs) offensive contributors. Martinez's performance has been nothing short of extraordinary since he's donned the, the... Golden Knights colors uh, since moving over from LA. He's got to be very happy about his lot. Similarly with Robin Leonard, he stopped 32 of four, 34 shots in a win in his Vegas debut. And now you've got to wonder about the goalie split going forward. It's no, no longer a lock that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be playing eight of every 10 games. And maybe that's a good thing to rest their uh, signature player. Yeah, I, I can see where that argument would make sense. But Fleury has not always done very well when he's not the every night workhorse um now you know we're getting a little bit later in his career so maybe it's something that that he could adjust to um and you know they had success in in his last couple years in pittsburgh but overall just in general his numbers have consistently been better when he's the guy uh, every night and and you know playing consistently I, i i don't think it has anything to do with um, you know, attitude approach to, to having to share work. I think he just thrives on just going every night. It, you know, I'm in that. So I am interested to see how that could work out for them. Uh, I think, you know, unless something crazy happens here in the last few games, I think you obviously are still starting flurry for game one uh, of your postseason run here. And I think Lerner just gives them a little bit of insurance down the stretch, as you said, to, to maybe give flurry a few extra games off. In Washington, everything seems to be in order with their top six and their top two defensive pairings following the trade deadline. And the best news of all, though, is Braden Holtby looking like he's straightening things out with three consecutive wins last week, stopping 99 of 180 shots against. uh, And he's played playing the lion's share of games in February, getting his game in order for the postseason run. He's been ably supported by Ilya Samsonov. He, he, who has lost his last four starts incidentally and given up 14 goals against Samsonov played well enough earlier in the season to offset Holtby's woes but now that the starter is on fire the Samsonov 
needs to get his game in order to even get a sniff of the net, it seems. Uh, in terms of the trade deadline acquisition of Ilya Kovalchuk, debuting on the right wing on the third line with uh, Lars Eller and Carl Hagelin, that's a dynamic-looking trio to be in the, in the third whole uh, slot of your offense just to show you how deep this team is. And speaking of how deep they are, they're certainly led by the most dynamic scorer of this or any other era, perhaps, as Alex Ovechkin continues his uh, fine offensive uh, numbers with five goals in his last six games played. That means 45 year to date. And guess what? He's on the fringe of contention for the Rocket Richard Trophy. He's not on the fringe. He's right in the middle of it. Only two goals behind David Pasternak. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, a red flag creeping up here for me with, with Ilya Kovalchuk. You know, the move to Montreal um, I, as a whole seemed to be a, a great thing for him. Uh, obviously playing versus not playing, 13 points in just 22 games. But if you look at his last 10 contests, he has no goals over that stretch and just two helpers, seven of those games coming with Montreal. Uh, and then the last three with Washington hasn't found the, the back of the net yet for them. And that's a bit of a, a concern here for me that, you know, maybe he's reverting uh, to what he was in L.A., which, you know, uh, clearly that didn't work out as they were. You made him a healthy scratch, you know, to end his tenure there. Um, so. He's still shooting the puck plenty over that stretch so and getting significant power play ice time. And so overall, I, I still like the acquisition by Washington, but there's just a little bit of a concern starting to creep in for me here. And I, I think it's something that, that you know fans are going to want to keep an eye on. Which version of Ilya Kovalchuk did we just buy? Did we get the Montreal version or the L.A. version? Because you certainly are hoping it's not. Uh, the, the L.A. King, uh, you know, Kovalchuk. When I look at the Winnipeg Jets' fortunes this season, A.J., I see the Maple Leafs, uh, the mirror of image of the, the club in the East here. They've been hit by a lot of injuries all season long, and right now Cody Eakin, a recent acquisition from Las Vegas, is tasked with holding down the center position on the second line in the face of a rash of injuries. He's got one helper in the three games that he's appeared with the new club so far. On the back end, Josh Morrissey is scheduled to return to reclaim his top pairing role on this defense, and that will be very welcome news. The depleted blue line has even seen Dylan DeMello get power play time. That's got to be a first for him in his career, I would suggest, and uh, part of his 20-plus minutes of her game, that's not a long-term plan for success here. He's more of a, a depth defender and will slot it back down into a more appropriate spot once Morrissey does return. Up front, Mason Lampleton has failed to impress uh, given a, a top six role, and that means that it could bounce back to Jas Jack Ruslavic, who has uh, slumped a little bit after some early season success. They'll need to find some answer to solidify that second unit. On the back end, though, the best news of all is Neil Pionk has quietly provided the club with a very credible scoring presence on the blue line uh, when it didn't look like it at the outset. He's got 43 points so far, and that's a career high for him. I mean, just imagine where this team would be without without Connor Hellybuck uh, this yeah. season. I mean, just playing every single night, just continues to rack up wins, um, and really has been it just the the one thing keeping them in the mix. I mean, you you mentioned in general their offensive talent. You would imagine if he could limit them to to you know two, maybe allow three goals that they could get a win. Well, he gave up just two to Buffalo uh, uh, about a week ago. And he couldn't get any offense and, and suffered a, a loss in that game. And so um, really just they're going to need him to continue to, to 
perform and, and step up, especially with Patrick Laine, uh dealing with you know a, a, a foot injury. Now he's supposed to skate today, um, and that will determine whether or not he can play tonight. So again, another situation to watch there. I think Liney's uh, return. Um, I don't know what they'll do. I'll, I'll be honest with you there. They could put him on the second line instead of Appleton. He has had success with Nikolai Ehlers. Cody Eakin would be would be centering that line. Or they could decide to move Blake Wheeler back um, and put Patrick Laine uh, on the on the top line with, with Shifley and, and Connor. From my standpoint, based on, you know, as you said, Appleton has not really impressed. I think they're better off leaving Cody Eakin in that second line center spot, allowing Blake Wheeler to play with Shifley and line a to play with Ehlers. That's what I would do at least. Um, but we'll have to see how that shakes out once he's cleared to play. All right, AJ, why don't you get us into the mood for FanDuel play tonight by going through the Rotowire lineup optimizer. Yeah, just, uh, you know, another uh, big slate of contests tonight. So really, um, you know, plenty of choices here. The optimizer is going to start out with Evgeny Malkin uh, for 7,700. They have uh, a a good matchup with Ottawa. They're back at home after a a disastrous West Coast swing. Obviously, if you use Pittsburgh in any of those games during the West Coast, you were a little disappointed there, myself included. But the optimizer uh, is using the math, and and it says that he should produce – uh, tonight it'll pair him up do a little bit high low at center with dylan strome for chicago coming in at just 3800 again another uh you know good matchup chicago is playing anaheim strome second line center set number two power play so uh, a good value option there optimizer will go with leon Dreisaitl at 8500 hard to argue with that Patty Kane for 7,700. Again, good matchup, great player. Alex DeBrincat at 4,700, set to be on the number one power play despite a third line role. Uh, so, again, another real good value spot there. Uh, the optimizer, low cost winger tonight is, is Kevin LeBanc, uh, 4,100 in that second line role going up against Toronto. And the, and the optimizer will keep stacking against your Leafs here, Paul, with Brent Burns defensively at 6,500. His numbers have been down this year, but uh, always, you know, a danger to produce. And then uh, for a real value play here, 3,800 for Matt Dumba tonight for Minnesota. Uh, the matchup with Nashville isn't great, but they are at home. Uh, and he is a guy that can uh, produce on the blue line. And then between the nets, the optimizer likes Tristan Jari tonight, 8,200. The Penguins haven't confirmed their starting net miner, so you'll definitely want to check back uh, and see whether or not he is for sure going to get the nod uh, over uh, Matt Murray tonight. All right, I like that lineup, AJ, and it's expected to produce about 145 points. If it does, you're going to be in the money uh, in most formats. I'll say, I'll suggest that based on my experience so far this year. I'll counter with uh, a, a look that doesn't include too many players from that list. I think there's only one in common. I'll begin with Brock Nelson. I highlighted the fact that he's almost on a, he's on a career best pace. He faces the Montreal Canadiens, a team that has all but raised the white flag on their season and don't know yet if Price is going to be in the nets for for the Habs on that visit to the island. But uh, I like Nelson in that spot for $5,300. I get a top six uh, forward in the mix here. And I pair him with John Tavares, who's been 
maybe the least best player overall on their road road swings all season long. The captain uh, has been really productive away from the home rink. Uh, it's tough to play outside of uh, in enemy ter- territory, but this guy's done it with uh, good flair all season long. $7,400 his price tag. Willie Nylander, his running mate on that unit, $6,400 despite the fact he's been one of the top scorers in the league in the last month. Uh, that's a low price tag, and so I'll jump all over that in a bit of a mini leaf stack. And I will... Uh, continue with uh, the Vegas Knights uh, they're going to be a feature team in my list of players uh, this week Jonathan Marchessault for $7,100 uh, tasked with taking up some of the slack from Mark Stone's absence he'll get more, even more, more time on the special teams I'll think I think going forward they might even uh, ramp up his regular ice time Ryan, Riley Smith might fit the same mold $5,300 for another top six winger I love the fact that I can get both of those guys in the lineup cheaply against the New Jersey Devils one of the teams that uh, you should be picking on as opponents in DFS play on a nightly basis the way they're going. Jamie Benn has turned around his season of late and he gets the Edmonton Oilers on the second of back-to-backs. We've talked about the Stars' defensive structure but this guy's chipped in offensively of late like we expect him to do so and so I'll ride the hot hand there. The only com- common guy I have with the, ro- with the optimizer is Matt Dumba so you heard the story from AJ. He's had a pretty fine run of late. $3,800 the price tag. I'm, a- I'm in on him. And Nate Schmidt to finish up my uh, Vegas stack is a defenseman who's produced uh, a lot of offense since he got healthy and uh, the price tag is really cheap only $4,100 so I plug him in expecting big things and in the nets I pick, uh, put Robin Leonard in there against the Devils and uh, look for him to to uh, make it two in a row as a starter in the in the Vegas Nets in terms of his early career there. AJ, how do you counter with your lineup? Well, I must be a glutton for punishment because I'm going to start the top of my lineup with Pittsburgh's two star centers in Crosby and Malkin. 8,300 for Crosby, 77 for Malkin. I just think this slump for those two guys can't drag on that long. And you know, you look at the post game comments by Crosby taking a lot of the blame. Uh, for for what's been happening these last couple of games they're back at home and I just don't see them uh, not producing tonight I I think those guys are slated to have a big night I did as a result have to find some value in my wingers and I was able to get four guys all slated uh, for first line roles so I started with uh, Palat for Tampa Bay just 5,000 to get him you talked about him earlier in the show and in the big uh, role he's going to have then I went with uh, Kubelik for Chicago, playing first line uh, minutes for them, $5,800, a, a value play at home against Anaheim, a good matchup there. Pavel Buchnevich comes in at 5300 uh, The Rangers are, again, the home team. They'll play a tough St. Louis club, um, but certainly I think he's capable of producing. We talked about how good they've been lately. And then Jaden Swartz, 5500 for St. Louis. Again, we've talked about how good they are. So to be able to get uh, four wingers all slated for first line roles and costing between 5000 and 5800 some great value there in terms of building your roster defensively i went with a couple of uh power play guys in in neil pionk 4600 you talked about how great he's been lately and mikhail sergeshev 4400 for tampa bay uh you know based on on practice yesterday he's actually going to move up to the top group uh, in terms of the power play, uh, going with him instead of Hedman, we'll see if that holds on today, but uh, certainly uh, worth looking at him. And then in the Nets, uh, again, I said glutton for punishment. I'm going to go with Tristan Jari, 8,200, and I will honestly, I'll flip that to Matt Murray if they decide to go uh, with Murray tonight. 
I, again, I just think Pittsburgh is set up to have a good game tonight. Um, and I'm, you know, really hoping for it both, uh, personally and, and now professionally as well that I'm, <laughs> I'm banking on those guys. Well, I like your chances. I really like all three lineups. It could be another night where I play all three of them. Last time I did, all three of them did win, and that was last week. So let's hope that it does hit again, AJ, uh, for the pay window for both of us. That wraps up this episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. Our next episode is going to be next Tuesday, so keep an eye out for that on our Twitter feeds. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow at AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey plan and research. So long, everybody.